Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dog Lucy. Together we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs whose work is inspired by their dogs. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. On this episode, I'm talking with a woman who had trouble helping her golden retriever get around post-surgery. Instead of putting up with less than impressive solutions, she and her husband invented a new tool to help dogs and their owners get around safely and comfortably. We talk about how she partnered with their vet to develop the product about 10 years ago and how the company now prepares for large conventions like SuperZoo. Let's dive in. Liz Rubenstein is the co-founder of Ginger Lead Dog Support and Rehabilitation Harnesses. She and her husband invented the Ginger Lead to help their dog, Ginger, recover from multiple orthopedic surgeries. They've helped thousands of dogs around the world with mobility issues, including senior dogs and dogs recovering from orthopedic injury or surgery. In addition, Liz is an attorney. When she went to DU Law School, she brought her Great Dane and Dalmatian with her and arranged her class schedule around them. After law school, she practiced law in Denver, Colorado. She now lives in Denver with her husband, Barry, and their golden retriever, Jake. Jake is currently enrolled in the Morris Animal Foundation's Golden Retriever Lifetime Cancer Study. They are also supporters of rescues and shelters throughout the United States. Hi, Liz. Hi. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks for being on the show. I'm I'm really excited to learn about um, how you came up with Ginger lead. So, um, why don't why don't we kind of dive into it? Tell us a little bit about your dog Ginger and what led you to come up with this idea. Well, poor sweet Ginger is a golden retriever, and we adopted her at eight weeks old, along with her littermate brother Wilson. And at four months old, she started having trouble going up our stairs. So we took her to the vet, and they diagnosed her with severe hip dysplasia. And that scared my husband and I to death. Here's this very young puppy that's having trouble getting around, and we feared what kind of information the veterinarians would give us. But they said there was a special special surgery that she could have uh, for puppies, and it would likely just fix her hip. So she had the surgery at six months old, and we thought the hard part for us was going to be paying for the surgery. But as it turns out, when we picked her up, they told us, okay, we broke her hip in three places. Put it back together, pins, plates, screws, all that oh my kind of gosh. stuff. So, yeah, so we could take her home, but she needed to be basically put back in her crate. She was house trained at that point and was only supposed to move around to eat and go out to go to the bathroom while it was healing. And during that time, she wasn't supposed to run or jump or spin. And we were instructed to support her weight in the back while it healed. So we brought her home with those instructions and they gave us an old bath towel to support her weight. And we came home and thought, okay, here we go. We put her in her crate, give her some food, take her out to go to the bathroom. And it sounds easier than it was. It was a rodeo at our house. So I'd sling the bath towel under her belly. It would bunch up like a rope under her tummy, which didn't seem comfortable to us. We're trying to hold the two ends of bath towel up above her back. And one of the most difficult things for us was there's no way to get in and out of our house without stairs. And Ginger, from the beginning of her life to the end, liked to run down the stairs. So she would start taking off down the stairs. I'm trying to hold the towel, a leash in another hand, and worried that we would end up in a pile at the bottom. 
And also when she was outside, she might see a squirrel or she often saw her littermate brother um, and she'd want to run and chase and spin all the things she wasn't supposed to do. And to make it even worse, if you've ever seen a dog in their first snow, this was winter time, Aww. and we live in Denver, Colorado, so it was Ginger's very first snow, and, and she, so she was very excited. Mm-hmm. She was super excited. In fact, she was excited all the time. That was just her <laughs> personality. It didn't matter what happened to her. She was happy and raring to go, and the surgeon had taken her pain away that she had before the surgery, so run and jump and spin was all she wanted to do. She was very happy to not have that pain anymore. So um, it, it was. It was a rodeo to try to work through her recovery and rehabilitation, but we made it, and we'll be forever grateful to that surgeon because that hip repair was wonderful and lasted her whole life. Wow. Uh, but yeah, but then when she was four years old, she needed another orthopedic surgery on her knee for a luxating patella. So this time, having been through the towel routine, we were deter- determined to find something that was more comfortable and safer for Ginger and also easier for us to work with to keep her safe and have her recovery go well. So um, after this surgery, the hospital provided a generic sling, which was better than the towel. But it's still bunched up under her, and this one had um, webbing, like leash material, to hold on to, which was better than holding the wad of towel, but it Mm kind of cut into our hands and wasn't very comfortable. And still, we had the problem of her wanting to run, jump, spin, all the stuff she wasn't supposed to do. So at home, we started working on what became the ginger lead. And I hand-sewed the original ones, which nobody would want to buy anything I sew, but we were just trying (laughs) to help her recover. And so they're nice and soft and padded so they don't bunch up under the dog's belly. They have a nice cushion. Um, Height adjustable straps so that you can position your hand at a comfortable place and have the support in the right place. And they have a nice padded handle to hold on to so it's not digging into your hand, kind of like if you carried a duffel bag to the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, And key for us was we attach the leash to that handle so now if Ginger tries to run down the stairs or chase a snowflake or a squirrel or anything, we have brakes built in. Mm-hmm. So she's staying, walking slowly by our side, obeying the instructions of her surgeon and healing the way she's supposed to. And it made all the difference in the world. Um, and we weren't trying to create a business out of it at the time. We were just helping Ginger recover. But then when we brought her back for her recheck, we brought the blue sling that they gave us at the hospital that time because we didn't want to insult the people at the specialty hospital. (laughs) So we brought her in that and handed her over to the technician at the hospital. And she went running down the hallway with the veterinary technician chasing after her. And my husband and I started laughing because it was just like what we had experienced at home. And that was really our light bulb moment when we thought, oh, my gosh, we've needed this twice, but these guys do this for a living, and they don't have a better tool either. So we showed our prototype to her orthopedic surgeon, and he helped us refine our materials, and now we sell them all over the world. That is such an amazing story, and um, I really each piece of the way of your journey of your like struggles with the towel and everything I can totally relate because um my old dog Lola she like the maybe the last month or two last last couple of months of her life um she all of a sudden decided not to use one of her back legs and um 
that really gets you out of whack. And so then that kind of snowballed into all sorts of other issues. And, and you know, knowing how dog obsessed I am, I took her to a number of specialists and chiropractors and acupuncture and different vets and second opinions and fifth opinions and all this stuff. But um, but day to day, like I needed to help her get around. And I was using a towel, just like you're describing. And it's like really difficult to hold like a, a bath towel doubled over because you're holding, trying to hold both ends in one hand. Um, and the size of my hand, it was just very, very difficult to hold and straining. And then someone gave me one of those blue slings. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and it wasn't adjustable. And it and I, so I had to hold my elbow like way up high, also super uncomfortable. And it bunched up underneath of her belly too. It didn't like... Um, it looked really uncomfortable um, to me. Um, and so I eventually ordered something off Amazon that was like this crazy, like I thought it looked like a dog, like bondage outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it had all these like clips and straps and all this stuff. And it was like very difficult. It was almost like a harness that you would wear for like mountain climbing or something. Um, <laughs> and it was like way too much. It was like, Hard, it was difficult to get on and off and I thought it looked uncomfortable to have to sit around and wear all the time I so I didn't so like I know exactly um sort of the some of the steps that you went through there really is not a whole lot um in that in that market of um of aids to help dogs who um who can't support their weight or who aren't supposed to support their weight so um yeah i think it, it's amazing I, I love to hear when people have a problem and then they actually follow through and mm -hmm. and create the solution so congrats well, thank you and in, in a situation like with you and lola we recommend attaching the leash of the ginger lead to just a standard chest harness. The chest harnesses you can get at PetSmart or Petco or in most boutiques that you can wear instead of a collar. Because mm -hmm. then if they have trouble walking or going up and down the stairs, especially if they stumble going down the stairs, you have something under their chest and under their belly with one handle to hold on to essentially a doggy suitcase. And it's really quick and easy to put on and take off. And I, when Ginger was older, I left ours at the top of the stairs so I could help her up and down the stairs and it would just go with her wherever she went. And yeah. And then you can support it. the front and the back. Yeah. Yes. That's mm -hmm. amazing. So, okay. So tell us, I was really curious when you said that you partnered with the orthopedic surgeon. Um, so they kind of helped you in like developing and testing and, and, and sort of coming up with what the final product was going to look like, or what was that process like? Oh, he was wonderful. So Ginger's second surgeon is this wonderful surgeon here in the Colorado area. His name's Preston Stubbs. And he teaches a lot of orthopedic surgeries. We see him at a lot of the veterinary conferences that we exhibit at. So we approached him as we were starting our patenting process and showed him what we had. And he was fantastic. He sought out a client of his that was a dog physical therapist who he had done surgery on her dog and sent one of the early prototypes home with her so that he knew it was a good test case scenario and someone that would give us really great feedback. And he helped us do things like refine the materials. So for example, in that instance, I had used fleece on the inside next to your dog's tummy because it's really nice and soft. However, when the dog physical therapist took it home and tried it on her dog, it was soft, but it was a little too slippery. It would move around. Um, so we ended up then going with a nice soft core 
corduroy, which is still very oh. comfortable for the dog, but stays in place better because it has the little ridges to give right. it a little bit of grip. So, and that's what we've been using for, gosh, we've been in business 10 years now, and we've been using that for years and years and years and had wonderful feedback, and it's working really well. So it was things like that that he worked through with us, as well as helping us with some of the patenting process and just has been wonderful. And in fact, um, we also brought Ginger to him when she was 10. And like Lola, she started having symptoms of arthritis. And he helped us come up with a strategy that worked really well there too. So um, you mentioned that um, you worked on a patent process. So um, I guess the the Ginger Lead is patented and you're an attorney, so that probably helped. Um, But how exactly do you do that? Oh, well, so I am an attorney, but... There are different kinds of attorneys, kind of like there are different kinds of doctors. And for patent attorneys, you have to take a specific patent bar. So I had to hire another attorney to do that for us. And we do have three utility patents on the Ginger Lead. So yes, it is patented. And it was a process of submitting forms, having drawings done, doing searches to see if there was anything else out there like it, um, getting statements from veterinarians and just working with the patent attorney for quite some time. Um, And it was funny, once the first one was granted, the next two came pretty quickly, uh, but it was definitely a process. Um, That's, yeah, that's so interesting. And so when you were like um, researching like similar products, I like, I always am curious about how patents work and like, you know, it seems like it's hard to have a completely original idea. Um, so, like, I guess you have to pinpoint, like, what makes – like, the corduroy might be one thing that makes yours totally unique. Is that, some, like, some of the things they consider? Part of ours – there are a number of things, but I'll give a couple examples. Part of our uniqueness is having the leash attached. Okay. Uh, that part that gave us breaks. Also, we have male and female support slings. That's also part of our patent and our uniqueness. We have a cutout in the male support slings to give more room for the boys. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, all of those things come into consideration. And then the patent attorneys work with these professional patent searchers that go into these government databases and look for whatever has been out there um, that has been patented or that exists in the world to see if it really is unique. Right. So um, in terms of like the order of how how you did all of this stuff, did you um, get the patent before you started manufacturing this for a larger sale? Or did you kind of test the market and see um, if you were getting any orders before you went to all that trouble? We did those simultaneously. So it took years to get our first patent. But once you file your patent, you have priority as of that date. So if it's granted, you get the protection back to the date you filed it. At least that's how it was then. I know there have been some yeah. changes to the patent system since that's then. That's okay. We won't hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that still holds true now. It's just a first to file. It just changed a little bit on the filing. Um, so we, we did want to see if veterinarians liked it, if other pet owners liked it. So we did start first searching for a professional manufacturer because you wouldn't want to buy anything that I sell. It worked for Ginger, <laughs> but it wasn't commercially viable. Um, And that was an interesting process as well. At the time, it was hard to find professional manufacturing companies to bring in a new product and do prototyping. And even though my husband and I had good jobs, I'm an attorney, and um, we had money to pay people, so many new products don't make it that manufacturing companies are hesitant to bring in new products. Um, But we have companies we've worked with for years and years and years now. And in fact, we're testing a new manufacturing company right now 
So we simultaneously started the manufacturing process, which took us longer than we thought, and started the patenting process. And assuming we got the protection, which we ultimately did, it related back to when we started. So it yeah. all worked out. Very interesting. It's like there's always so much more to everything than you ever realize when you're first starting. <laughs> That's definitely true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've learned a lot of things that have been um Necessity is the mother of invention, and you learn things every step of the way in a new business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so you've been you've been in business for about ten years, though. So you do have a lot of experience. And so, when, like when you were first starting out, and maybe even now, um, how do you approach people to sell the ginger lead? You know, um, it, it sounds like you you mentioned going to some veterinary conferences and things like that. Um, it, you know, where, where is it sold and how do you kind of forge those relationships? So it's sold in a number of places. Uh, gingerlead.com is our website where we sell it and we offer free priority mail shipping to dog owners that need it. We also, one of the first things we wanted to do was make sure the veterinary community liked it. So we have a funny story about our very first international veterinary conference. We live in Colorado, and it was just my husband and I, and we weren't sure if it was going to become a business at the time, but we signed up for this big veterinary conference in Orlando, Florida, and we had no employees, but we, as dog owners who have been in the position of needing something to help your dog get around, knew how important it was to get it to people quickly, so we started our business doing same business day shipping. If people can get their orders in by three o'clock mountain time, we ship them the same day because we know how much people need it. So we packed my car with inventory, shipping boxes, a laptop computer, a mobile printer, and all of our display stuff to take to this big veterinary conference in Orlando, Florida, and drove from Colorado to Florida, stopping at FedEx and the post office all along the way there and back and shipping orders for our customers. And that was really our make it or break it moment. We wanted to see how the veterinary community at large responded to us. And we've learned a lot. Even though I'm an attorney, I wasn't a veterinarian or a medical professional in the pet industry. So my husband and I were sort of shy at that first veterinary conference. And we had this banner that we look back at and laugh in our display. <laughs> but But you have to start somewhere. And it turned out, We had a great conference and a great response, and many veterinarians purchased ginger leads from us, and that was really the conference that started us onto the track of, so we sell both to pet owners and veterinarians. We also sell to pet stores, so there are a lot of pet stores throughout the United States that carry them, and we have a locations page on our website. Um, And at this point, we also now sell around the world, so we work with people in Canada, Norway, Australia, Japan, Hong Kong, and one of my favorites is Namibia, Africa, (laughs) where veterinarians, pet stores, or distributors sell ginger leads throughout the world. That's so amazing. And I think it's so inspiring to people who are are nervous about starting a new business or a new idea or something like that, that it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, looking back on your first conference, you probably feel like, um, you know, it's hobbled together maybe a little bit. Um, but like it, that was the, the way that you first got your name out there. And um, kind of like, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah, no, we definitely learned a lot along the way. And we just happened to be next to a booth where the folks were very experienced sellers of a product they sold to veterinarians. So we took a lot of keys and tips from them for our next conference and improved what we did 
along the way. And we're always doing new things and changing new things. And, and actually, we're going to a conference in Las Vegas that's a pet store trade show here real soon. And one of the things we're doing there is a lot more PR than we've ever done before. So we're always trying new things and learning. Is that affiliated with SuperZoo? It is SuperZoo. It, it is the SuperZoo convention. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people um, talking about that, obviously, in the in the dog world that I'm in. Um, and it sounds really amazing. It sounds humongous. It is gigantic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So one of the things that helps to get attention there, we've done that a number of times and we're going back this year. Um, we're, we're trying the PR, but we also have a new feature on the Ginger Leads. Our customers for years have been asking for a way to might be able to relate with the blue swing. So if you get home with your dog and you need to, say, unlock your door and let go of it for a minute, you don't want the sling dropping down by your dog's knees or ankles and potentially being in the way. So we have developed a new feature called Stay On Strap that that will cinch the straps together above the dog's back. So if you need to let go of the handle for a minute, unlock your door or let them do their potty dance, it'll keep everything in place. So we're launching a new feature and they always have a new products and new features section. So we'll be in there and we're doing the PR. So we're looking forward to it. And we're even going to have a press conference with our dog, Jake, who plays basketball. (laughs) Oh, that sounds exciting. Um, so how do you prepare for going to something like SuperZoo? You're obviously experienced um, and have done a lot of these conferences, but um, if someone, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know that SuperZoo would be anyone's first conference they would exhibit at, um, or convention, I should say, but if, how, do, how do you prepare for something like that? Like, what does what does your booth look like today? What kind of stuff do you take with you? And, and like, how do you also like mentally prepare for it? Well, we've done a lot of them. So the mental preparation used to be a lot more intense. Now it's kind of more, you know, what are we going to change this time? But the physical preparation started out being fairly chaotic, figuring out what we wanted to have. And now we've gotten that to a point where I have a checklist at the office and our staff most of the time will go through the checklist for me. I have these suitcases that will go on Southwest that we can pack most of our things in. We have a big 10 by 10 display um, with dogs' pictures on it with different size ginger leads because we have a size for any dog from 2 to 250 pounds. We have a podium that's part of that, and that's the case for everything that has Ginger's picture on it, which we love to have out front and center to feature her. Um, so we bring those. We also bring a display of ginger leads in the different sizes. So we'll bring what's called a wall gate, which is just kind of like you'd see at the end cap of a pet store, Um, just a rack there that shows the different sizes, and we put a sign on top of it. We have some stuffed toy dogs that we bring, and we have stands for those that my husband and I use to do demonstrations of how everything works. Um, We have brochures that we hand out. We have price lists with our wholesale pricing and our retail pricing. Uh, We have kind of a kit that we've put together that just travels with us to every show. And we've now figured out how to put that stuff either on an airplane or ship it ahead so we don't have to drive to Orlando every time now. But that was definitely a learning process to get to that point. So is um, is it sort of like a if you build it, they will come kind of a situation? Or do you do a lot of outreach ahead of time to make sure people come see you? It depends on the conference and what it is. So, for example, a lot some of the veterinary conferences like to do these bingo games that we love. 
where people can win prizes by coming to your booth and talking to you and getting a stamp on the bingo card. That's one of the things we really like to participate in. A lot of the conferences have charitable events. So whether we attend a conference or not, a lot of times we'll provide what we call our veterinary starter kit as something to donate to a silent auction that veterinarians will bid on and then the money goes to some charitable organization, often for either education or to help rescues and shelters. Um, we're doing the PR for Super Zoo. And some conferences, we're going to one that's really quite small that I'm really not going to do much outreach ahead of time here in Colorado in Breckenridge. It's the Acupuncture Society for Veterinarians that's coming close to home. And I think it'll be maybe two or 300 veterinarians. So I, I'm anticipating meeting everyone there while I'm there. So I don't anticipate, you know, hiring PR for something like that. It really is kind of conference. Right. But that's a very niche topic that seems to really fit well with your brand. So um, yeah. it, it, even though it's so much smaller than SuperZoo, um, it still sounds like it could, it could have a big benefit to your brand. Yes, I, we look for opportunities like that and love to network with the Holistic Veterinarian Society, acupuncture, chiropractic, all the things you talked about taking Lola to. <laughs> we, We've we tried have it all. <laughs> <laughs> I even had someone send me um, essential oil samples and, and recommendations on um, therapeutic massage with frankincense oil, and I, I have tried everything. <laughs> <laughs> We did a lot of those things, too, with Ginger and had great success when she was older and had arthritis with mm -hmm. um, what we called spa day. She would go yeah. and she'd get underwater treadmill and laser therapy every other time. We'd take her every two weeks and then we'd mix in either chiropractic, which also included the essential oils or acupuncture and had wonderful results with her arthritis. So we yeah. we adopted our dog now, Jake, when Ginger was 10 and we lost her litter mate, Cancer, and Jake was like a little bowling ball to her. He was a four-month-old puppy, and we thought as a puppy she would put him in his place, but she just never did. So unlike <laughs> you with a very gradual arthritis, when we got Jake, Ginger immediately started showing signs of having difficulty getting up and tiring easier, and she started limping on one side, and we feared she might need another surgery, but that's when we had her go see her orthopedic surgeon again, and he said, no, it's arthritis, and he recommended a multimodal approach. So we just tried one thing at a time. And she was stronger when we lost her at 12 to cancer than she was at 10 when Jake first came in and was little That's playful amazing. bowling ball around her legs. So tell us about um, about your current dog, Jake. Uh, I mentioned in your when I read your bio at the beginning that he's part of the Morris Animal Foundation's cancer study. So that's very, I'm very interested in hearing like what exactly that entails. And, um, and I don't know if that means that he does have some form of cancer or they're just studying dogs in general. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, now it's a wonderful organization that's working with CSU here in Colorado and they're studying 3,000 golden retrievers for their entire lives. So they all enrolled in the study as puppies, and it's dogs all across the country. And Jake doesn't have cancer. Some of the dogs have developed cancer, and have, we've lost a number of them to cancer already. Um, but Jake's just turned five, and they will study him for his entire life because a lot of dogs get cancer, golden retrievers in particular get cancer at a pretty high rate. We lost both Ginger and her littermate Wilson to cancer, so we were 
very interested when we heard about the study and when we got Jake and he was the appropriate age to enroll in the study to participate in it. And basically what it means is every year we report to this foundation what we feed Jake. Um, and that includes his dog food, his treats, if we give him any fruits or vegetables, if we do, are they organic? How do we give them to him? Do we give them to him raw? Are they frozen? Are they boiled? You know, all of that wow. stuff. Wow. Um, what we put on our grass out in the yard, how much daylight he gets, if he's inside, if it's carpeted, what the floors are like, just how much activity he gets, all these kinds of things. Plus, he goes to our veterinarian once a year and has a special exam where they collect physical samples from all the dogs every year and send them in for the database that they have at the Morris Animal Foundation. And our veterinarian also has a questionnaire that's quite lengthy about the last year that they've had with Jake. So yeah, so they're hoping to find insight into what causes cancer in these dogs and what might help prevent it or how to treat it. And there is, it's the biggest study I'm aware of uh, about cancer in dogs, and they hope to help all kinds of dogs, and some of it crosses over to helping people as well. Yeah, that is yeah, so interesting, so and I can't believe how how detailed it is. And um, when you said carpeting and stuff, I I, kind of, I was like a light bulb went off. I was just thinking about all the different kind of chemicals and things that we have um, in our lives, and you know, our dogs in particular spend a lot of time on the floor, so um, that could have a much um, larger impact on them than maybe on us. So. Um, that's interesting. I can't wait to follow along with that study. I'm going to have to set up a Google alert or something. (laughs) (laughs) They're wonderful. And they have a Facebook group and they publish all sorts of things. And talking about the flooring, that's actually one thing we changed because I didn't really think about that in the past. But the first dog we lost to cancer, Wilson, was Ginger's littermate. And he had adenocarcinoma in his nose and he licked the floor all the time. So we clean our floors with vinegar now. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I do the same thing. I use like hot water and vinegar and then I'll put in maybe some essential oils to make it smell better. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it does smell funny. Otherwise, I smell like I've been dying Easter eggs all the time. Um, so I, I like to just kind of to end on sort of a, uh, maybe a fun note. I like to ask my guests, uh, what kind of fun qualities they share with their dog. And, um, you've had, you've had many dogs over your life, so, um, it doesn't have to be Jake, but is there any, anything kind of fun that you share with your dogs in terms of personality or things you like? So I'll pick Ginger since she's the inspiration for Ginger Lead, and she loved her spa day, what I was describing as her treatment for arthritis. Every two weeks, she would go to get the underwater treadmill and laser therapy or the acupuncture or chiropractor. We have a whole page on our website devoted to what we did to help her with her arthritis. And likewise, because of Ginger Lead, I have found myself moving around a lot of inventory and things and and running an office and a warehouse. So I have come to like my spa day and get a massage when I get a chance as well. So that's one odd little thing that Ginger and I definitely have in common. That's nice. And plus you can probably think of her a little bit while you're, while you're pampering yourself. And I think we spend so much time um, pampering our dogs and going to every length to make sure that they're happy and comfortable that it's easy to kind of forget about yourself. Yeah, 
So it's good to take care of yourself so that you can be in a good position to take care of them. Right. So um, Liz, tell us where everyone can learn more about Ginger Leads. I think you mentioned the website, but let's just remind everyone where to find it. Gingerlead.com. Well, that's easy. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if anyone would like to learn more, they can obviously check out gingerlead.com or go to the show notes at my website, wherewagrepeat.com, where I'll have links and a recap of our interview. So thank you, Liz. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes for this episode at wearwagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, Lucy and I will see you around the dog park.